Good morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Jack Brown. I serve as a, a tutor and a shepherding deacon here at the church. Uh, this is the, do- the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare to worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Lord God of nations, we have seen the star of your glory rising in splendor. The radiance of your incarnate word pierces the night and covers the earth and signals the dawn of justice and peace. May his brightness illumine our lives and beckon all nations to walk as one in your light. We ask this through Jesus Christ, your word made flesh, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit in the splendor of eternal light, God forever and ever. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears hear his word, and our voices raise in praise of the glory of God.
stand for the call to worship. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will appear over you and nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Let us worship God.
This new year is a gift of time and an opportunity to start anew in God's love, mercy, and grace. The God who loved us enough to give to us his only son, Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world, loves us still as much today as God did yesterday and last year. So relying on that love and grace of God, let us pray our confession together. God of glory, you sent Jesus among us as light of the world to reveal your love for all people. We confess that our sin and pride hide the brightness of your light. We turn away from the poor. We ignore cries for justice. We do not strive for peace. In your mercy, cleanse us of our sin and baptize us once again with your spirit, that forgiven and renewed, we may show forth your glory, shining in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Apostle Paul told us that if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything new has come. God's light has come into the world, and God's light has come into our hearts. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. to our affirmation of faith together, you might want to look at your bulletin and read today. It is the affirmation or the confession of 1967, a Presbyterian church confession. So let us confess together. I mean, let us affirm our faith together. <laughs> Sorry, we did confessing. <laughs> let us affirm our faith together. In Jesus of Nazareth, True humanity was realized once for all. Jesus, a Palestinian Jew, lived among his own people and shared their needs, temptations, joys, and sorrows. He expressed the love of God in word and deed and became a brother to all kinds of sinful men and women. But his complete obedience led him into conflict with his people. His life and teaching judged their goodness, religious aspirations, and national hopes. Many rejected him and demanded his death. In giving himself freely for them, he took upon himself the judgment under which everyone stands convicted. God raised him from the dead, vindicating him as Messiah and Lord. The victim of sin became victor and won the victory over sin and death for all. Now, knowing that, let us greet one another in Christ.
Good morning. Happy New Year. Great to have you all here. It feels like winter, doesn't it, huh? Yes, good to be together and to, uh, you want to, may want to sit closer, get a little warmer. You know, that's, you know, I know that's asking a lot for Presbyterians, so. <laughs> but we are glad that you're here. It's great to see some uh, familiar faces that have come to join us to get away from the cold of the north and we're bringing it with you down here to Florida. So we're, we're, uh, you can have one week of that, but that's it, and then we'll be back to warm. So we're glad you're here, and we're glad to begin a new year here at Church of the Palms, and we have some great things in store for you as we uh, look ahead to what God is up to and, and how God is at work in our lives, always expecting great things uh, for what God might be up to. And so we invite you to take note of all the opportunities in the bulletin. We invite you to fill out the friendship pads, which are in the pews, and pass those along to your neighbor, hopefully you'll spot someone there that you don't know and that you will take the chance to get to know them after the service. And uh, we still have hot coffee out there underneath the tree, so brave yourselves and get out there and enjoy a little fellowship perhaps. We want to invite you to a few particular things in the next week or two. Uh, tonight we begin uh, a new series of music and uh, poetry called Songs Without Words and Words Without Songs. And it's here in the sanctuary, 630. You're going to hear some beautiful music, some lovely uh, poetry, and a time basically for you to come to be quiet, to reflect upon your life and upon your relationship with God. And uh, it will be a really, really special evening. So we invite you to join us this evening at 6.30 for a time together of music and poetry. And then afterwards, we will be over in the music room for a uh, reception. So join us for that. We would uh, also invite you to come to be with us on Wednesday night. We had a packed house Wednesday night as we take a look at God in Hollywood. And we're looking at various films uh, uh, that uh, perhaps are great ways by which to reflect upon the spiritual life, some great parables that uh, Hollywood has produced over the years. And this coming Wednesday evening at 6.30, we'll be taking a look at A River Runs Through It. And uh, some of you have seen that. And if you'd like to make sure to see it before you come, we're not going to show it. We're just going to reflect upon it uh, after assuming that you have seen it prior to coming. This coming uh, tomorrow, Monday morning, we will begin the Sill series here at Church of the Palms, and that's music on Mondays, and uh, you won't want to miss that. The sanctuary is a packed place for uh, some great, great opportunities to reflect upon some great, great music, so come and join us for that. And next Sunday, the Westminster College Choir, my alma mater is coming uh, to worship with us on Sunday morning, lead worship, and then we'll have a concert at 4 p.m. We are so grateful for those of you who volunteered to host. We've completely filled up uh, our uh, needs for hosting, and we are grateful that we'll have the chance to be led by them, and you'll want to make sure to come and join us at that 4 p.m. concert choir, uh, choir concert next Sunday afternoon. Presbyterian women are having a program on February 3rd, a day in the life of a pastor. Well, they're desperate for programs. Anyway, uh, uh, no, I'll be, I'll be sharing a little bit about uh, what the ministry is like in the 2018 era, so you might want to join us for that. New uh, C.S. Lewis reading group uh, session starts this coming Tuesday evening. We're going to look at Mere Christianity, one of the great 
uh, Christian books of the, 20, of the 20th century and one that you can kind of keep coming back to. Uh, we invite you to come and join us. We're going to be in a different room on Tuesday night. We'll be upstairs in the Education Building, room 206. And, uh, but we'd love to have you come, one and all. Uh, if you've never come, you're especially invited to uh, join with us as we take a look at this very important work of the 20th century, Mere Christianity. And then lastly, if you have appreciated this Christmas decoration that we've had, we've actually kept it one day over. We're one day past Epiphany, but we're going to celebrate Epiphany today. Uh, if you would love to extend your appreciation for this decorating, you can come at 12 o'clock to help us undecorate. <laughs> if you have the gift of undecorating, we would love to have you come and join us as we take this down. And uh, again, many thanks for those who work so hard to put it up. Let's now continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
Like the wise men, we too have followed the light to bask in your love, O Lord. We pray that you will accept our gifts in this sacred act of worship. Bless and multiply this offering as we hope to reflect your light and to share your love. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. I'd like to invite Miss Carol and the children to come forward for a children's moment. I, it is so cold off outside, I had to wear my fancy coat today. <laughs> All right, you guys have a fancy coat like this? So, who can tell me someone in the Bible that we've learned about a little bit, we're gonna learn more about him, that got to wear a coat kind of like this one in the Bible. Anybody? Can you think of it? Well, Jacob had a son, and his name was Joseph, and he made this coat, a coat kind of like this one, out of fancy colors, because guess what? Joseph was Jacob's favorite son. Jake, yes, he was. You do know this story? Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so, you see, Jacob, Joseph's father, Joseph's, Joseph's father had 12 sons. Okay, Jacob was 11. He had a younger son. And Jacob was Joseph's, God, get this right, favorite son. <laughs> All the J's. And, um, and so he made this coat, and his brothers didn't like the fact that he'd walk around with this fancy coat on. And every time that would prove that, you know, dad liked him the best. So they got jealous. So one day Joseph's father said to him, your brothers are out tending my sheep. I want you to go check on them. So Joseph went out with his coat, and here he comes. And the brothers saw him coming. And guess what? They made plans. Their jealousy made plans to kill him. Really? He said, they, let, they said, let's kill him and throw him into a pit and, and say that he was eaten by an animal. Wouldn't that be mean if your brothers did that to you? Man, they were jealous. So the oldest brother, Reuben, he said, well, he heard the scheme and he said, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in the pit so we don't have blood on our hands and we didn't, weren't responsible. He'll just die in there. You think that's a better plan? No. They were, they were mean. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers grabbed him, tore his coat off of him, and threw him in the pit and left him to die. Well, just about that time, they sat down to eat, and there they saw a caravan of merchants coming through, and they thought, hmm, maybe, maybe we have a better plan. Maybe we can just get rid of him. So they pulled him out of the pit, and then they sold Joseph to those merchants who were headed to Egypt for, I think it was like 20 pieces of silver. They sold their brother. That's pretty mean. So then they went home and told their father that Joseph had been eaten by an animal. So that was the end of the favorite brother. No, that's not really exactly what happened. So it was a really terrible thing that they did, wasn't it? Yeah. Jealousy can make us do some bad stuff. It, it may, we might not kill somebody, but jealousy can get in our heart and make us do things that hurt other people. 
It's not a good feeling, but we all have a tendency to feel jealous sometimes. So we have to guard against it. We have to learn to be happy with what God has given us. So you know what? Before I finish, I want to make sure that you guys know that's not the end of the story of Joseph and his brothers. It actually has a really good ending. Um, the story has a happy ending, but we're going to learn about that upstairs in kids' worship today. So <laughs> let's pray. Wait, let's pray. Okay, pray with me. Father God, you love us and you love your children so much that you want the very best for us. Help us to guard against feelings of jealousy that might come into our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on up. You gonna come up, Vicky? She coming with me. It really does have a good ending. Just want you to know that. <laughs> Things work out all right, and Joseph takes over Egypt, and Israelites are saved, and it's all good. So, so uh, to that end, actually, we're starting a sermon series uh, today called, appropriately, Starting Over. Uh, last week we looked at uh, John the Baptist and uh, who we said was sort of standing at the beginning of the new year and was here to tell us repent, turn around, cha change course. You don't have to keep doing the same old thing. It's time to do something different. So we are in that spirit going to be talking about the next few weeks this idea of starting over and not just the idea of starting over but maybe thinking about how to start over, not just with a new year, but with maybe a whole new chapter of our lives. We've all made our fair share of New Year's resolutions, and we've all uh, had many of those resolutions fritter away. But, uh, and many of us even perhaps right now come into the new year with hopes that things are going to be a little bit different, but most of the time we don't necessarily take a look at the big picture of our lives enough to wonder if maybe we have engineered things in such a way that we keep coming up with the same results. Different hopes, but the same results because we have engineered, kept the engineering the same way. If I go to my black and white copier and put in paper and hope beyond hope for color copies, unless I change the machine, I'm never gonna get color copies. So we're gonna wonder together this month about what we can do to perhaps change the machine so that we can come up with different results, the color that we're looking for. So today, to begin, we're gonna take a look at uh, the first chapter of the Gospel of John, the 35th verse and following, as we begin this journey through the great story of Jesus as told in the Gospel of John. So hear the word of God as it comes to us beginning at the 35th verse of chapter 1. The next day, John the Baptist again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. And th the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And when Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. And it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. 
And one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. And he brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. And the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from beside of the city of Andrew and Peter, and Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said to him, Ah, oh, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael asked him, where, where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. And Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under a fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow us perhaps another chance by your grace to consider a different life that you would yearn for us to have. Bless us in these moments in Christ's name, amen. Jean-Henri Fabre was a 19th century physicist, chemist, and botanist. And one day he was in his greenhouse laboratory looking at his plants. And he noticed several pine processionary caterpillars in one of his flower pots. Pine processionary caterpillars are distinct in three ways. First, they eat pine needles as their major staple. Second, they don't ever travel alone, but in procession, one following the other, each following the scent of the one in front of them. Wherever the one in front of me goes, says the caterpillar, that's where I go. Three, they have no leader. Whoever just happens to be in the front of the procession is the one who leads, and if that guy falls out to go to sleep or to eat, someone else just takes over. There is no leader in the procession. Well, these caterpillars had managed to process themselves around the circumference of Fabre's flower pot, and they were processing in a circle. And the procession managed to form a perfect circle so there was no beginning or end of the line. And so all they did was follow one another. Fabre imagined that they would do this for an hour or two and then someone would figure it out and that they weren't going anywhere and would break the line. But they didn't. Fabre sprinkled pine needles just outside the pot, but they just kept going in the circle, each following the scent in, the front, in front of them. One hour two hours, six hours, 24 hours, two days, three days, six days, seven days. Finally, in the eighth day, one of the caterpillars made a break. 
peeled off and began to start in a new direction, and the line finally followed, and they finally found their food before starving to death. Silly caterpillars, we might say. But there is a great attraction to just following the procession. When we were young and we had some, done something stupid, and our parents asked why we did this stupid thing, and we said, well, everyone did it, or George and Larry did it, and our parents said what? Well, if George and Larry decided to jump off a bridge, do you, would you do it? Good question. And if we were honest with ourselves back then, the answer might have been yes. <laughs> the power of procession. And that didn't just leave us when we became adults. The power of procession is still very much here, egged on by a thousand things. We, we buy things that everybody else is buying. We go to places everybody else is going. We wear things that everybody else is wearing. We go to movies that everybody else is going to. And sometimes you can find yourself in this little circle where everyone is following everyone else and you realize you're not going anywhere. And you're tired. And you have this hunger inside of you that is not being met and you can't quite figure out how to peel off. Yesterday was Epiphany. And Epiphany is the day in the Christian calendar when the church celebrates the, the visit of the wise men to Bethlehem. Long to be astrologers and sages from the empires perhaps of Persia or Arabia, the wise men get enchanted by the star, and what the star does is it causes them to, to peel off. They, they leave their country, their, their kingdom, their procession, and they chart a course to find a newborn king. Easier, of course, for them to have stayed in the same old circle. Easier for them to follow the guy in front of them, worship the same God. But these guys, these wise men, they peel off and they find a new king. I suppose something similar is happening in our story this morning where John the Baptist has this little circle of followers and he sees Jesus walking by and he points and he says, look, the new king. Look, the new Messiah, the new leader of a new procession. And the gospel writer tells us that two of John's disciples heard him say this and they, and they peeled off. And they follow Jesus, and after following, and Je following Jesus long enough, they realized that he was the one John said he was. And they went to their family and their friends, and they said, we found the new king. We have found the Messiah. We have found the new leader. Come and see. Come join the new procession, the one that doesn't go in circles. And I suppose as we take up this question of starting over, of, of, of thinking about charting a new course, of, of changing the machinery for color copies, I suppose the first thing to think about is, who are you following? I mean, there's no more basic fact in life than the fact that you are going in the direction of the one you're following. And don't think you're not following anybody. 
Don't delude yourself into thinking that you're, you know, kind of at the front of the line, that you're the trailblazer. Because we are all following somebody. Some philosophy, some fad, some presupposition, some guru. Even if it's the zeitgeist, the spirit of the times, we are all following someone or something. And the thing is, if you follow long enough, you can get yourself into this feedback loop where you just keep hearing the same old thing and chasing the same old scent. But with epiphany comes this invitation to meet Jesus again. To come and see, the disciples say. To, to peel off and meet Jesus again for the first time. Because, you know, if there's anything that history teaches us is that if there's any person to consider following, because we're all going to follow somebody, it's Jesus. Leaders come and go, but strangely enough, after 20 centuries, Jesus is still the reference point. Jesus is still the major question of human, human civilization. What do you think, history asked, what do you think about Jesus and what does it mean to follow him? Because we human beings will always be in search for intelligent life. And I don't mean necessarily just among the stars and the planets, but here on this earth, to be human is to be in search of, like those wise men, in search of intelligent life to follow. We're always in search of someone in this world who can tell us what is the best way to live. And billions and billions of people throughout time have decided that the intelligent life to follow is Jesus. Gurus come and go, fads come and go, styles come and go, fashion comes and goes. But Jesus is still walking through the decades and centuries of time. And John is still pointing to him and saying, look, the king, the new leader, the intelligent life. Someone finally to show us what it means to be human. Someone finally to show us what it means to live the good life. And by grace, by grace, some have chosen to peel off. C.S. Lewis, after years of wandering in unbelief, going in his own sort of academic circles, finally in his 30s considered again the person of Jesus, took the plunge finally after years of consideration, took the plunge finally, peeled off, derailing his academic career, most believe, at Oxford, and embraced Jesus. All in. And later he said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. The search for intelligent life. Because you see, the first step in starting over is deciding who you're going to follow. To find a new purpose, you have to find a new person. And for many of us, that means meeting Jesus again for the first time. And that means wiping your heart drive clean and opening up the pages of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and reading again, or maybe for the first time, about the life and teaching of Jesus. 
Maybe start with the Gospel of John as we're going to be making our way through the Gospel of John. Just read a little by little through the Gospel of John. Maybe go to our class on the Gospel of John on Sunday mornings over there in the chapel building or, or to the Wired Word class on Sunday morning or to the Quest class starting on Tuesday or, or to our discussion on mere Christianity Tuesday nights or a Presbyterian women's circle. Just, just start over with a new purpose informed by a new person. Malcolm Muggeridge, the famous British cynic, satirist, and disbeliever, more by accident than anything else, put himself into the presence of Mother Teresa for a few weeks. Bad mistake if you don't want to consider Jesus. But through her life and her work with the lepers of India, Malcolm Muggeridge didn't see any other choice but to consider Jesus for a moment. And it led him down the line of history to see all those generations of Jesus' followers and all the good they managed to have produced, you know, all the hospitals they built and the colleges they founded and the help that they gave to the poor and the needy, all the color copies. The difference one leader had made to billions. So he swallowed his pride and met Jesus again for the first time and followed and became the most ardent advocate all his remaining years. In the end, wrote Muggridge, in the end, coming to faith remains for all a sense of homecoming of picking up the threads of a lost life, of responding to a bell that has long been ringing, of taking place at a table that has long been vacant. And so this morning we take our place at the table, hopefully peeling our way away from the circle to take our place at this table because with Jesus, there's always a place at the table. And at Jesus' table, we find what we've always been looking for, the intelligent life, the good life, the eternal life. And what better place for us to start over?
Friends, I don't know where you are in your life. You may feel like you're on the run. You may feel like you're at a dead stop. But every moment of every day is an opportunity for us to wonder about a new direction, a new course, a new purpose, a new meaning, a new mission. And maybe this is the day when you wonder that about yourself and wonder whether or not now is the time to come back to the table and to find here the one who towers over history, to find here the one who promises us that he is the way and the truth and the life, the one who invites us to follow him as he did those disciples of long ago. So friends, come, and come with an open mind and an open heart, a hard drive wiped clean, and wonder whether or not this Jesus is the one that you will now follow in a renewed way, so that in our following, we may truly be the light of the world, and that we may truly make a difference in his name. So hear the words, the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat of this, remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. When you drink it, remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again, and he will come again. Let us pray. We are grateful, O Lord, that you welcome us to your table. Thankful, O oh Lord, that you have allowed this very common element of food to become for us the spiritual food of heaven. And we ask, O oh Lord, that as we come to this table, we may meet you here and find you here and open ourselves to you here so that we may be inhabited by the person of Christ and that we might begin to reflect the light that he brings to the world. So Lord, allow us to sense your presence that we may be empowered to be your people. For we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ who taught us to pray saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord took bread.
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not and will not overcome it. And after supper, Jesus took the cup.
unto me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and gentle of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. I am the bread of life, says the Lord. Those who come to me shall never hunger. Those who believe in me shall never thirst. Those who come to me I will in no way cast out. For blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let us pray. We praise you, O Lord, that you have prepared for us this banquet and have served us such that we are filled, such that we can now go into the world and be the people that you've called us to be. Allow us to claim this moment as your time. Allow us to claim our lives as your lives. Allow us to be the salt in the earth and the light of the world for the sake of your son, Jesus. For we pray this in his name, amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. 
Amen. 